This is Gabriel Masudi, and you're listening to Learn, Unlearn, Optimize. What's up, guys? It's Gabriel and Michael. We're back with our first podcast of 2020 after our break. And um, if you haven't heard what we did in the beginning of 2019, we're doing our best to try and release these every Monday. So go back and check out the feed for right now on uh, Learn, Unlearn, Optimize. And um, where, where I really wanted to pick up with Michael that where we left off, we were talking about proteins and then we started talking about chlorophyll and we started talking about the difference of how meat night, like there's people out there that will, that will argue that fat um, can be used as a source of fuel, which it can be like the body can turn it into fuel, but the process from what I understand, the process to do so is not as efficient as it is with carbohydrates. Is that accurate? Well, I mean, under ideal circumstances, yeah. I mean, where we're carbohydrate um, or carbon-based life form, which I discussed previously, and we are designed to run on carbohydrates or glucose, breaking down to simple sugars as our primary fuel. And when that becomes impaired because we're eating ultra-refined, processed-refined carbs, uh, sugars, isolated fractionated sugars, and we're getting all these other toxins that uh, distress the organs, systems that are uh, responsible for carbohydrate metabolism, then that can become impaired. And that's what we see in a lot of people nowadays. We're not being physically as active. So all those things are impaired. And now people are finding like, hey, well, let's go on a ketogenic diet where we're now shifting the metabolism over to a fatty acid metabolism instead of carbohydrate and people are starting to feel good with that. Not all people, but some people are starting to feel better with that because now they're accessing another fuel um, that is, is, it's different. It's not the carbohydrate fuel because they can't process carbohydrates anymore in an efficient way. So they're finding another fuel is better. However, ideally carbohydrates are the preferred fuel for the cells and tissues of the body. They burn the cleanest, um, when they're in their proper uh, whole food matrix form and will give, keep us along and, uh, you know, us, our life, you know, healthy and well. So, 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 so Mike, what I just heard was that the type of carbohydrates that we're eating back to like our whole foods, um, the eating whole, whole foods, the type of carbohydrates that we're eating yeah. are, are fractions and are not very healthy. So we're not getting, um, good energy from that. So when we switch to this keto diet or these fat diets, we're like, wow, we feel like we have so much more energy because the bar has been set so low with the crap that we're eating um, with, with the fractions of food, so to speak, and, and sugars and things like that in, in the other carbohydrates. Um, so now when we eat whole foods and the body breaks it down as it's meant to do, um, it's, we'll, we should or most likely will feel more energy with with the right type of carbohydrates and the right combination of food uh, than we would on an all fat diet. So is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. If we're able to get ourselves and our metabolism working with primarily a plant-based diet, which I'm particularly a proponent of, yeah. um, which is going to give us all the nutrients packaged in a whole food form. Mm-hmm. So you're getting primarily, uh, you know, these complex and, and, and somewhat, uh, simple carbohydrates that are metabolized efficiently because they're bounded to the essential vitamins and minerals, fatty acids and amino acids in there and all their phytonutrients. 
it all gets metabolized very, very clean, very efficiently. But when we start shifting on over to, as we talked last time, of a protein and amino acids, like those are the worst, you know, form of, of energy. They're not used for energy production. They're used for structure, for growth, maintenance, um, for healing, for regeneration of, of certain tissues mm-hmm. and cells. Uh, so that's the most inefficient form for energy production and utilization. And then there's the fatty acids, which requires us to get our um, consumption of fatty acids to be really high and limit drastically the carbohydrate intake. That's the only way that you're going to get your body moving or metabolizing fats as opposed to carbohydrates. Cause because your, your mitochondria, which are those energy uh, producing factories mm-hmm. you know, within our, every single cell of our body, in order for them to produce energy, they need to choose either carbohydrates or fats as a primary fuel source. So if you want to do fatty acids, um, that means going on this ketogenic diet where we are limiting the carbohydrate intake um, significantly, substantially. Mike, and is one of those processes of carbohydrates, choosing the fuel source, carbohydrates or fats, is one more efficient than the other when the body processes it? Under ideal circumstances, how we evolved, carbohydrates are the preferred form. But because of a lot of uh, chronic degenerative conditions, um, the systems that are in the mitochondria as well, um, that are stressed in terms of utilizing um, carbohydrates, where we have things like insulin resistance and, um, and blood sugar dyscrasias, where that's all being adversely affected or the hormone system is being distressed, then we're like not using carbohydrates as efficiently. So we have to shift on over, or not we don't have to, but many people are finding that when they shift on over to a ketogenic diet, which we're using fats as the primary source, we're kind of bypassing that. And now that becomes a more efficient way. Okay. Only if you get it into a true like ketogenic type diet. If okay. you're like in that state where it's like your system's running on carbohydrates, you haven't shifted over to fatty acid metabolism. Yeah. But you're including you're trying to increase your your fat intake to try to go more fat metabolism, but it's not truly shifted over. Yeah. It's not gonna run efficiently and you're gonna run into many uh, metabolic issues as a result. Okay. And Mike, is that is keto um is that where that state of ketosis that they're talking about happens? Yeah. So basically the way to know when you're in a ketogenic state is you have to measure your ketone bodies through your urinary output. And so you can go and get these little sticks, um, little ketone testing strips in any pharmacy store, online, et cetera, and yeah. test your, your urine and then seeing if you're producing ketones, ketone bodies. And that will tell you, are you in a ketogenic state or not? Mike, how, would, how does somebody decide which way they should go. So like under ideal circumstances, carbohydrates are the way, but under for a list of different reasons that you just said, maybe you want to go towards this keto diet. How do you, yeah. Yeah. How do you figure, how does someone decide which direction they should start going and that's going to be optimal for themselves? In my opinion, you need to work with a a qualified health practitioner who understands email Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But no, for real, right? I mean, that's, you got to get, get with a nutritionist or 
like a health practitioner is it is it their yeah. is it their um, primary doctor or is it a nutritionist or like what what a practitioner people- who's um, qualified in uh, nutritional biochemistry and understands um, that individual and what their needs are and you know short term ketogenic diets could be beneficial for you know again short term yeah. <laughs> period of time yeah. or um, or we may not even need to even go that direction maybe by supporting the biochemistry changing the person's lifestyle which is what i prefer to, to work with people we can get them to use their their carbohydrates their glucose in a more efficient way so question mike again this is guys everyone listening this is kind of like um just a catch-up bunch of uh housekeeping and stuff that um that i wanted to talk with mike about the last couple of weeks after we jumped off the other podcast so listen to the other ones and a lot of this there's a lot of context there for what we're talking about mm-hmm. so mike with regards to the chlorophyll then, did the chlorophyll fall under our carbohydrate because we started talking about leafy greens or was that under the proteins? Well, no, Car- chlorophyll is a completely other constituent. It's a phytochemical of, of plants. Okay. Of plants that produce chlorophyll to basically take the sun energy and generate energy for the generate energy for that plant and primarily in the form of again carbohydrates right. so it basically is like almost like the solar it takes the solar energy and it converts it into a chemical form right for so the plant when we were talking about carbohydrates somehow we got on this topic of chlorophyll and i can go back and and yeah i forget the it. exact context of the chlorophyll but basically you were like eat a bunch of, if you want, if you want really great energy, eat a bunch of dark leafy greens and chlorophyll with your, with your meal. Yeah. Well, it, chlorophyll is uh, important for a number of things in our body for blood building, blood, um, uh, blood stabilization. So if yeah. you've got any blood, blood issues, anemias, uh, chlorophyll is one of the best tonics for, helping to normalize our own blood because the hemoglobin that makes up our, uh, our red blood cells is almost identical to the chlorophyll of plants. So it has a very, without getting too in depth into it, um, it is really important to help build up healthy blood, the chlorophyll. It's like the blood, so to speak, of the plant. So why, do, why does chlorophyll help your oxygen level so much? What is because it it has a very um, what's called hemostatic effect or um, he, yeah, hemo meaning like you know related to the blood the hemoglobin it, it helps to build up the blood and helps the our own blood cells carry oxygen because that's what hemoglobin is is it helps to carry oxygen within the red blood cell okay to all the rest parts of the body and so it's it's helpful in that way so hemoglobin is kind of like a raft for oxygen so to speak throughout the blood and it's yeah. able, it's like a transport system so the right. more now can you i know you can overdo anything but like how is can can chlorophyll buildup of chlorophyll become toxic in the body if you have too much not when you're eating it from plants you know what about that because i've been eating a ton of leafy greens and i've been doing that so it's in its whole form but i got some got some chlorophyll drops i've been putting in my water in the morning also no there's there's no there's no uh, reported toxicities with something like that in fact chlorophyll is very protective of a lot of toxins and so remember the body too especially with our digestion has an incredible um degree of controlling what comes in and what 
stays out. So anybody who ever eats, let's say, high chlorophyll rich foods, especially things like uh, spirulina, chlorella, any concentrated chlorophyll foods, they'll probably notice at least initially that their, um, their stool, their bowel movements will have a green tint to it. Yeah. And because your body will not absorb all of that in one shot. So the body has an incredible um, regulatory systems to control what comes in and what comes out. Okay. So though I wouldn't worry about that. Okay. Yeah. Great. And then um, it also says, like I was doing some research on it, that chlorophyll is great for your lungs. Is that, be, is that because of the oxygen? What we just yeah, spoke about? Yeah, all of it. The, all of the systems, they help to uh, neutralize a lot of toxins uh, that are building up in our cells and tissues. Yeah. Um, it helps to um, oxygen, again, oxygenate the blood, to purify the blood, yeah. but also all the other systems of the body. So again, wherever the blood flows, every cell tissue that gets fed by the blood yeah. So it's it's going to receive what's what's there. So if you help to fortify, neutrify, strengthen our our blood, make it more um, help, much more healthy, uh, then all the cells and tissues will receive that healthy, you know, life force. And okay. so that's what's great with the microscope is that we can um, look at our blood and see qualitatively uh, the state of the blood. Is it rich, abundant in hemoglobin? Are the, are the red cells the right size, shape? Or how are the white blood cells doing? What is the, what is the terrain or the microenvironment of the blood as a whole? And if it's the environment of the blood, the microenvironment of the blood is healthy, yeah. well, all the cells and tissues of our body will be fed that healthy you know, life juice, so to speak. Cool. So, yeah. Really cool stuff. So, so. Mike, mm -hmm. with, um, with the chlorophyll and, and the, um, the carbohydrates, yes. is there, is there, how, how do chlorophyll and carbohydrates interact with each other? Is that, is that a, a special or something like, um, a relationship or the chlorophyll. So if I, in other words, what I'm saying, the way I visualize the fuel source that you're talking about, you're going to either pick carbohydrates or fuel when, when we're on this, this subject right now. And so the way I was visualizing that was like, I'm going to either use like natural gas or oil for my home. Like, and I got to pick one and then I got to switch my, my, my filters and my yeah. systems and my lines. And I have to optimize my home for that particular type of, of efficiency, that particular type of fuel. Mm -hmm. So, when I do that, it does chlorophyll interact differently with the one of those two systems, with the fats or the or or is it, it is is it like well, remember it, this different. is a this is a phytonutrient, so it's not used by our body as a primary fuel. So, and again, I want to get us to get back to you know the the lipids um, okay. as as a fuel as as a fuel source as a nutritional need. Okay, um, but you know chlorophyll is a phytonutrient that plants create um, and that is used for taking in sunlight and allowing all the uh, the energy from the sun to be converted into a chemical form okay and then generated into the carbs and then fats for that plant okay the amino acids and so forth um, it's it's a whole cycle between you know what's coming from above 
and what's coming from below in the, in the earth. And Is that the photosynthesis cycle? Photosynthesis, exactly, right. exactly. Okay. Um, but just keep in mind that like, so as a phytonutrient, um, uh, the chlorophyll will help purify, detoxify, keep all of our cells and, and tissues of our body um, in a healthier state. So if you got toxins, it's gonna help to neutralize those toxins and pure and and help to uh, eliminate those toxins. So it enhances the efficiency. It's also very uh, what's called cytoprotective. So it helps protect ourselves from those toxins and those stressors. Cool. And so there's a lot of good literature on chlorophyll in terms of, of protecting ourselves from damage, from inflammation and oxidative stress, from um, you know preventing uh, mutagenic uh, alterations. Um, you know, so again, has an, an anti-cancer, so to speak, effect. Um, but it, it's, it's incredibly important. In that okay. I, I don't know if I'm answering the question, though. No, you, you, uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to draw the analogy for the lay person like that I am and, that's, and the people that are educating themselves on this. Mm -hmm. So if we have those two types of fuel, and the and and the fuel is you you have your fats and you have your natural gas and that's like the fats and natural gas is similar to to your your oil oil or your your pro your propane or or your natural gas heat that you're going to be running into your home and then once that fuel comes in that fuels and uh fueling a system and uh that system in, in this case is our organs and et cetera, things like that. And our bodies, our tissues, and it's all made of our cells. Like if once we break down, break down, break down these different systems, fundamentally it's made of cells. So the fuel source is basically feeding these cells. The cells could be like your stove or your heating system or your air conditioner, or your propane refrigerator, whatever it is, but it's made of, it's made of, of cells. And then these cells then um, grab other things uh, to, to work with. Um, after they have that fuel source uh, that they're com comprised of, and one one of the one of those uh, is is with chlorophyll. Uh, I, think you, I think you broke up for a bit. So I, I said, I said, I said these cells, these cells, they they are um, they're, they they work then uh, with they work to do different things within the body yeah. uh, based upon what they make up. And chlorophyll assists that process, not the initial fuel process that the cells actually run off of, but it assists the job that the cells do. Yeah, and so do many other phytonutrients. Yeah, chlorophyll yeah. is just one of those. Just one. So yeah. So I guess Mike, do yeah. all right. So here after this, after our recap right now, kind of just like that that blatant kind of dumbed down analogy. Mm -hmm. Do we want to go into? into that or do we want to go back into what was it lipids you said or well yeah so yeah we we had our, our talk about carbohydrates talked about proteins yeah carbon nitrogen cycle how that's really important to understand understand uh -huh. that in our, our own metabolism and how we're connected to the earth in this whole cycle uh, because again once we break down we you know and we decay we feed that we return cycle. to the earth yeah. you know we suppose are supposed to be feeding the, that cycle and become part of the earth again yeah. to feed new life. And that's the yeah. whole life regeneration cycle. Yeah. Uh, or, um, yeah, it's all a recycling. Yeah. And so that's a sustainable system and okay. we need to do that. Um, but now that we're, we've got carbs, proteins, people are wondering about like, what's, what's up with the fats and the oils, which fall into this category of lipids 
you know, lipids are the umbrella term for all these fatty acids, fats, oils, resins, and things of that nature. Okay. Um, and so, you know, we talked a little bit about this in terms of like as a fuel source and with the ketogenic diet. But before we like get into like that, I just want to like lay out what exactly are we talking about? We're talking about fats, like lipids. So again, li lipids breaking down to fatty acids, um, oils. Um, those are the key the key compounds. Uh, but really, what are they made up of? Chemically speaking, it's really like like sugars. Um, you know, they're made up of like carbon and and hydrogen mm -hmm. primarily. Like that that's what they're made up of. Fatty acids, lipids are carbon and hydrogen. Mm -hmm. um, so they can be, and they're arranged in certain chains. All right. So as free fatty acids, they're in a certain chain and those chains can be short chains. They can be longer chains, the shorter chains. We call those oils because they are liquid at room temperature. And then fats, which are longer chain are solid at room temperature. And so what it generally, like what will create a fat to be formed, remember before we were talking about in previous talks about this whole idea of like electrical pressurization. Yeah. PA so again, system. stressors and like the physioelectrical effect. Yeah. That's part of that. So when any system, any organism is experiencing an accumulation of electrical pressurization, it's going to want to buffer and block and reroute that electrical pressure. And so what it does is it creates these lipids and that's what lipids do. You know, lipids, they are there to create a buffer, to create a block so that electricity can't flow through. You know, you think about the, the, the wiring, right? I love how we bring these things back to like real life examples, gross level examples. You look at wires in our homes and electrical, they are, they are insulated because you need to create an insulation so that electrical doesn't get current right. doesn't waste. Can, yeah, can, yeah. can flow through where right. it needs to go much more efficiently and not be um, leaching, leaking out. Wow. So that's what lipids are designed to do for every organism, whether it's a plant, whether it's a, a human being or any other um, living organism. These fatty acids, these lipids are designed to create a, a, a protection. Insulation. And an insulation. And they help create structure. So when we think about every single one of our cells, you know, they are made up of this lipid membrane. It's a bilipid membrane, which basically contains the fluids within a cell and separates it from the fluid outside of a cell. And helps to buffer what comes in what comes out the electrical pressurization otherwise a cell would just completely dissolve and collapse and often you know oftentimes like under extreme um, stressors that's what happens when you get even on a gross level of an injury and you get enough electrical pressurization you're cr you create a damage to tissue you know especially if it could be a gross level of like literally like you take like an axe to your your body some type of you know trauma there, or even at a biochemical level of inflammation, oxidative stress that damages the cell membrane. Um, if that cell membrane is not repaired and uh, appropriately, um, the cell is going to collapse and die. So it's an extreme fat is important for protecting 
Uh, again, we talked about electrical currents with our, um, our wiring, the brain and all the other, you know, the central nervous system of the body is the neurons that make up that central nervous system of the nervous system as a whole. You know, they are coated by fatty acids, by, by oils and fats, mm -hmm. uh, specific types of fats, of course, um, you know, that are designed to protect that neuron and help to allow the electrical um, signals to be conducted in a more efficient way. And so we see in a lot of neurodegeneration uh, conditions or neurodegenerative Lacking conditions, lipids. you're dealing with a breakdown yeah. of, or of those lipids or those yeah. lipids are being um, destroyed yeah. in some way. And yeah. then there's electrical yeah. um, uh, excess it's like a squirrel. It's like it's like a squirrel chewing through your uh, a wire in your attic, or it's <laughs> like the plastic wearing off of 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 one yeah. of your your wires and or the end of your headphones or your yeah exactly like what this, happens yeah. In order for me to hear you right, this has to be clean, and so yep. this is protected. If not, if I brought a, a huge electromagnetic field to this wire that was able to infiltrate and, and over overwhelm the electro electromagnetic field of this, you'd have just a yeah. bit. Yep. Or it'd be completely destroyed. That's right. So everything comes down to the to this physics and the, the biophysics of electricity and electrical pressurization. And so this is like where fat is important. There's too much body or and an organism gets too much electrical pressure coming, it's gonna wanna try to create these um these fat barriers, these these protective barriers. Um that serves both a structural Right again, we're talking about a cell membrane. It provides a structural um, effect um, or function, but then also a metabolic function as well, because a cell membrane is a really important um, place for a lot of biochemical processes to take place. Mm -hmm. So it plays a, a big role, even in our body on a gross level. It plays a big role in the fat levels layers that we have, the adipose tissue. So the fat tissue of our body is used for, again, insulation, of course, but also plays a big role in hormonal um, effects, you know, regulating our hormonal system in many ways, as well as an, an immune and inflammatory response as well. So, so that's super important to understand. What if someone said to you, Mike, well, um, you know, I have a friend, are they, are they less susceptible to... Uh, you know, EMF radiation or something like that because they're 350 pounds, you know? Right. Is that technically, yes, because the, it has to go through more fat that they're not as susceptible for for the EMF to hit their vital organs, but they're just, they're, their systems, it's overloaded in another yeah. section to where it's the yeah, balance. Yeah, so it's, it's balance, right? So and that doesn't necessarily mean that that could be from the superficial level, but that doesn't necessarily mean inside that they're not, their wires aren't breaking down. Yeah, so I mean, it all comes down to balance. And so you can look at a person and if they're experiencing an overload of electrical pressurization, either their body's going to respond by producing excess fats to protect that. And so, again, there are many stages of fat accumulation for, you know, four main stages of fat, which I'll get into. But essentially, they're either going to put on a lot more fat to create a protection against that stimulation, or they're going to have an issue generating that protective uh, response by generating more of a, of a fatty uh, protection. And then their systems are just going to be breaking down as a result. 
So you often see in a lot of more thin, frailer people who don't have those fat stores, um, they tend to be more agitated um, by many stressors. Their nervous system is ag- be a lot more agitated. Interesting. Um, they might be hypersen- a lot of hypersensitivity. Um, they're restless, uh, easily agitated. Mike, could it, so based on what you're saying, could a could a, a, a could being under electromagnetic stress could weight gain be a byproduct of that because the body needs to adapt to protect yourself? That's exactly what, I'm, what we're saying. Is that and then if you don't being get, overweight yeah. is a result not always of you're eating too much, but that you are experiencing a tremendous amount of stressors that is creating these protective fat layers. So the fat's so, a way to protect yourself. It's yes, yeah, so a fat is a way to protect yourself from trauma, from stresses, from excess electrical pressurization, from excess radiation that is coming towards us Interesting. in whatever form. Interesting. And so there are these four stages of fat, you know, um, creation. And they all have a, a special role. So we'll start with the first stage, which is of, of fat production, which is our simple fats and oils. So all the plants, they create them, we create them um, from eating, of course, certain fats from our food, but also we can generate them from, uh, from an accumulation of, let's say, not accumulation, but as we discussed about carbohydrates, how get into fat storage. So they are, you know, they're created to perform set up, you know, get several functions, including uh, concentrating, storing energy, any excess energy. Um, Again, cushioning of cells and tissues. Um, again, from those excess pressures and stressors that we discussed, that could be toxins, that can be electromagnetic fields. It can be a numerous types of, you know, radiational forces that are acting upon us. Um, but also it plays a role in maintaining our body temperature, regulating body temperature, um, lubrication, lubrication of our joints, lubrication of our tissues, um, also involved in um, packaging and protecting nutrients, especially like fat soluble nutrients and vitamins um, to deliver them and also delivering other biochemical compounds that need to be in a, in a lipid protection. So we often hear about cholesterol, right? Like what is cholesterol? Like these are basically lipid uh, based pro- uh, compounds that we call lipoproteins. So they're basically are carriers, these lipoproteins are carriers of proteins and other types of compounds that ride along with it. So that's like the first stage of like what fats and oils are designed to do is to serve all those important metabolic and structural functions. Now, if we have a trauma, whether that is through a gross, you know, blunt trauma to our body, we get banged up in any sort of way, or even a micro infiltration from a bacteria, a virus, a toxin. Parasite. Bodies. What's up? I said parasite. Yeah, I'm just parasite. with you. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, whatever creates an, an attack or aggression upon our system. Yeah. What will happen is we'll shift into a, we may shift into a second stage fat barrier, which is an emergency fat, where we will, it's only used for those acute, really crisis conditions where we create this 
um, second stage fat barrier to dilute those toxins, to um, help surround those toxins, those organisms to protect our system. Like similar to, fa- to sim- similar to like fascia buildup on a, on a, on a muscle or something like that. The fat well, will go, go internally f- to protect and like freeze, and whether it's freeze what's going internal on. Internal or external. So things like anything that pusses, that oozes. So think about pimples, acne yeah. around the skin. Yeah. We can consider that to be a second stage fat barrier. Yeah. So it's there to, to protect and to isolate and dilute and capture things that should not be in our system. Got it. And eventually when the body has enough resources to break that down, it will come and break that down. Got it. Sometimes in certain conditions, like you get a wound and open, um, you scrape your, your skin, what's going to happen? It's going to bleed initially. Then you're going to start having some pus accumulation, which is important. And you, you want to have some of that there. And under certain types of you know wounds, traumas on the skin, especially if we're talking, we can do certain debridement, debridement of that wound and make sure that that, that, that pus, that ooze, that second stage fat barrier doesn't become too contaminated. Because again, it's all about controlling the microenvironment and making sure the microenvironment doesn't go uh, to a, a state where now it is so unhealthy, where it's now poses an, an, another undue burden on your own system. You know, where now you're not, your body is not controlling the microenvironment. Then microenvironment becomes its own entity so that's the second stage fat barrier is that emergency acute fat infiltration okay. um, to deal with whatever trauma is happening. Yeah. All right. Then as we get to the third stage fat barrier, we now that if the body cannot deal with that trauma, whether that's a gross or a micro level trauma, it's going it, to, you're going to have fat that becomes not so liquidy like the pus and ooze, but it's going to start solidifying. It's going to become a little bit more solid and helping to block off more infiltration because it can't deal with that. It can't resolve that whole attack. So when we are infiltrated, your body to try to burn away and break down what should not be there and eliminate that and then it work on healing that tissue that's been damaged. But if it can't do that, if it's unable to resolve that inflammatory immune response, then what will happen is damage. It's going to start to be, in, be infiltrated with more harder fat. And so when we think about um, in terms of like our circulatory system and cholesterol and plaque formation, the lining of the blood vessels, we're starting, that's what we're talking about. We're, stalk, we're talking about too much damage to our, our endothelial lining of our blood vessels that has not been resolved, that's chronically inflamed and, and being damaged. And then the body's going to start to are surrounded by these fatty infiltrations to say, you know what, I can't deal with this. I can't deal with this. Is taking too much strain, drain on my system. Let me just patch it up 
with these fatty infiltrations. And so that's clo- third so, stage. so then it closes an artery or like it just shuts it down. It's like, forget, this is taking yeah. too much of my energy. I can't deal, seal it up and we'll use the other three. Yeah, well, it may not seal up the artery completely initially. Over time, it, it will do that when yeah. we get complete blocks. But, and that's why, but it, it's like process. And so when we're in that third stage fat barrier, we're dealing with a chronic condition. Third stage fat barriers only occur under chronic distress. All right. And it's there to ultimately create a protection because there is a tremendous overload of electrical forces, whether that's coming from a toxin, a bacterial, viral infection, anything that's causing our, our defense system to um, act. And <clears throat> when we see people who are overweight, it's because they've reached into that, that chronic third stage fat barrier where they have too much accumulation because their body is undertaking too much. And a lot of people region. why is because oftentimes they're not eating right. They're eating too many of the wrong food stuff that is creating a tremendous amount of distress to their body. And the body will create third stage fat barrier to protect and ward off, ward off all of that distress will also start to accumulate and store a lot of those toxins. Right. You know, because you're not digesting well, you're taking in too many toxins from your diet and your body can't deal with that. So it's going to start to protect that. Yeah. Put it into fat storage. So, so Mike, what's, yeah. so in the, in those, in those three stages, the first one that we were talking about to where it's like from just from outside stressors and ele- electromagnetic stress and things like that, it's going to start to build up in the stomach if you're super stressed because the majority of like your vital organs are here. Yeah. Right. So it's going to like, you have dom- like obviously the heart's above it and all that. And there's important things up here, but this is your, like your trunk. Your, so it's just going to, your love handles, the back of the body, everything like kidneys, all that, everything is going to just try to protect itself. So it's going to layer up fat to start. Yeah. And then layering it goes up in- fat of all the visceral organs. Wow. Which includes your, you know, around your stomach, your pancreas, your liver, liver becomes very, um, you know, a lot of fatty infiltrations yeah. start to take root there, fatty yeah. infiltrations, even to the heart. That's why if you look at people with cardio, that's why cardiovascular disease is a main killer of um, people in the industrialized world is because a lot of these toxins um, or an electrical pressures coming from various sources yeah. are, again, mostly concentrating around our visceral organs and right. they're building up and they're building up in the blood vessels. They're building up in the, the actual heart muscle itself, in the liver, the kidneys, um, all these systems of our body. Wow. Some systems will take on more distress because, um, well, it depends upon the individual. Again, constitutionally, maybe the person is born with a weaker uh, cardiovascular system or maybe their liver is a little bit weaker or maybe they've experienced something in their life where certain types of stressors have an affinity for affecting one organ system over another well wow. uh, maybe an organ system has a certain has a remember our last talk we we're talking about enzyme reserves yeah. maybe there's certain organ system that has a much lower enzyme reserve and so now it's not functioning in its proper um in, in the most optimal way so that's going to start to be distressed a lot more quicker than maybe another organ system of the body. Wow. Yeah. So that's that, that's that whole third stage. And then I haven't completed it yet, Gabriel. <laughs> yeah, we forgot the about the fourth, the fourth stage. Yeah, yeah, waiting for it. 
So fourth stage is that fat, that third stage fatty infiltration. You die. Masalified. <laughs> it just body kills itself. Becomes hardened. Yes, hardened, stiff, calcified, and degenerative. So it's no longer living tissue. It becomes truly hardened. And so Mike, is up. this, when we say calcification, mm-hmm. are we talking not like, is this the fats or fats responsible is basically the, like uh, as a body worker, right? Someone who deals with the body and movement. Yeah. I'm, go, I'm going right to thinking about like frozen shoulder, like fascia buildup. Like it's, is this different than that? That may be different. Yeah. That's often different. That's usually dealing with the actual connective tissue, um, but it's, but, but, but the but damage could be calcified, but you're right. There could be calcification there. If there's chronic inflammation in that, connective tissue of well i'm saying there's cases to where like the muscles and fascia scapulae like um i can post a video i'll send it to you and i can post it also for people to see mike but it's called the fuzz talk and it's literally like one night's fuzz is more than two nights fuzz is more like a month's fuzz is then you get an injury and you never move your shoulder and before you know it you you have no more range of motion because it's literally you need you need to manually break it up with a a body worker tool or on on a on a cadaver with a scapula yeah, exactly. And th- and that's what you're dealing with. I mean, with, dealing a, with a, what, what's yeah. A, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, a knife. Yeah, exactly. So that's what you're, de- you're dealing with that. You're dealing with that tissue that be- has become scalpel, so damaged, scalpel. that has become so damaged, inflamed, that, that cannot heal that appropriately, so that it starts again to like third, this fourth, this third, and then fourth stage um, fat barrier where it becomes hardened, calcified. Amazing. Yeah. And it's really diff- once you're in there, it's very difficult to reverse that. So you may can not, reverse it, but may not, it may not be the same thing as the muscle, Mike. But it sounds like it's the same end result. It sounds like well, calcification. It is the same. It, yeah. it is the same. It may not be a gross level of fatty infiltration, right? But that's because the 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 amount of distress in that area, the accumulated electrical pressure in, let's say that that joint area or in that fascia, that connective tissue, was so intense and, and, and was intense for a, a significant amount of time yeah. that it went from a first stage to a fourth stage very quickly. And it went to a calcification process very quickly rather than somebody who's, let's say, going through their life and they're not eating right and then they have a little bit of fat accumulation and it gets more fat accumulation and then eventually it gets harder and harder hard into a fourth stage. Yeah. Um, like, let's say if you're talking about like, uh, you know, a chronic, you know, fatty liver disease where like, and the liver is a very regenerative organ. Um, you know, that process of it being, you know, fatty liver and then becoming, you know, the cirrhosis of the liver where now that's a fourth stage fat barrier. Um, you know, that's something that takes, you know, time to, um, to occur for, for most situations, but, you can go from a first stage to a fourth stage in a relatively short period of time. And, and yeah, when you get those, those, that hardened calcified tissue, it's going to take a lot of effort in order to break that down. Sometimes I that that's often going to include um, some surgical intervention to help scrape it out, break it down. Yeah. You know, maybe even a, yeah. Mike, a lot uh, of, a lot of effort to undo that repair or undo that damage. But even when you go and you do that, whether it's through a surgical method, 
you're still going to have, it's never going to be back to its healthy state. It's There's going to still be some compromise of that, of that organ or that tissue. Mike, do they refer to fat like in the, in the cancer world, stage one, two, three, and four is like, this guy's got stage four. No, no, that's, that's a different conversation, different, um, stage. So, but, but when, but, I know, I know, I know it's completely different. Like the camp, but what I'm saying is, will you diagnose or will you, will you take, um, when you, when you take notes on this or say you're in, you're in this third stage of this fat development, can you tell if a client's like in stage one, two, three, or four? Do you, yeah, do you- anybody can. I mean, just if you look at a person and you're seeing they've got a big gut, right? you know, they've got, they're not at least a third stage fat barrier. Right. Again, that fat accumulation. Right. Right. So they're at least there. Yeah. I know with cancer, like one, one's like, it breaks down from head to the bottom, but I was just saying like, when you, when you talk about it, like, would you say, okay, I have a client that's like stage three in their fat production right now. So I get to do X, Y, Z for them, or this one's in stage four of their fat production. They need to go maybe have some manual things done. Like it's gotten so bad. And then I have to do X, Y, and Z for them. Yeah. Ultimately you got to work with a practitioner. Yeah. You know, to, no, I meant like you, you as a practitioner, do you, is that how you, I, sometimes you have to look at clients. Like yeah. I have someone who's in the stage four, they're going to need some manual work with this. They need, maybe need surgery. And then this is maybe. how we're going to start to resu- uh, reverse it from, from the inside out with nutrition or whatever the case. Right. May. Well, first thing you got to do is my approach is you got to stop or significantly reduce the stressors, stressors that are coming yeah. in that has generated that in the first place. Yeah. So you got to work on that first. And that's what I primarily focus on. But if let's say I see a, a client who has, you know, some system that is in a fourth stage where maybe that's impacting their quality of life, yeah. um, their mo- mobility, motility, and maybe there is some type of surgical uh, intervention. Mike, what's, help. what's motility? Uh, the, the movement. Mobility, motility. The movement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. The, yeah. That movement. So being able to, um, sometimes you might need to, to do that. So let's say, or especially if you're talking about, um, you know, the, uh, a joint that has built up with so much calcification, yeah. right? Which is yeah. we're dealing with that fourth stage. Yeah. Well, third stage is really some, some of that calcification, that hardening, but let's yeah. say it gets into that fourth stage. You may need to kind of like, again, like debride that, get yeah. rid of some of that. Yeah. to help give the, the, the individual an opportunity to regain some mobility, some greater function over their, their organ systems. Right. But you can't do that for everything. If you got cirrhosis of the liver, um, you can't necessarily go in and take that out. Um, oftentimes people who are, have a cirrhotic liver, um, when it gets to a certain state, um, they are going to need an organ transplant. So literally taking out that organ and, putting in uh, another or want to get there, you know, I mean, why, why put our body through so much distress and suffering, you know, in there, we, we can do so much to help ourselves to heal, to prevent degeneration and promote regeneration. Yeah. And that's why we're here having this conversation because, and why you, the audience are here yeah. because you're interested in learning how do I support this regenerative process and avoid yep. my degeneration or the degenerative processes? 
Mike, that was that was intense. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I think break this up for the audience listening and to talk to you right now, Mike. I think we'll break this up into two podcasts: yes. one like a, a recap, yes. and then the other one to start on the beginning of the fats conversation. Yeah. Next time we'll get into the exact types of fats, yeah. the oils, the lipids, as a whole category, and and talk about nutritionally what we want to be getting in from our diet and what sources we can get those fats, those oils from and how they, they serve us. Awesome. Mike, yeah. um, last, last question kind of on the, on the EMF idea. Yeah. With all this talk of uh, EMF, how is it then, and I'd like to hear it from you, that a, a far infrared sauna then becomes therapeutic or assists us if it's actual um, electricity, we're still sitting in, in electricity or we're still sitting in frequency? Yeah. Well, what you're getting from a far infrared is you're getting the infrared, the far infrared spectrum of the electromagnetic spectrum. Well, near, mid, and far in the infrared. But yeah, yeah, you're, you're yeah. getting yeah, you're getting the that's that spectrum of yeah. the electromagnetic field, which is heat, infrared heat waves, and so it's that heat that's able to, you know, go through the surface level of the body into a much deeper level to stimulate the body to sweat. And so by that internal of raising the body, the internal body temperature, in a sense, you're creating a mini fever or let's you say are. not a mini fever, you're creating yeah, a no, fever. fever. <laughs> yeah. Um, internally, that is allowing your body to burn up, let's say things that shouldn't be there, to sweat out toxins. Um, it has a very incredible healing um, therapeutic potential they just needs to be used in the appropriate way there are people who overuse right uh, infrared saunas or even um you know going and doing sweat lodges yeah um hot yoga hot I mean, yoga you, you overtax your body uh by getting it into this this fever state um, constantly yeah. constantly so to me it's a therapeutic tool that should be used appropriately um, and not used just because it's you know, it's something that has all, tatted all these benefits. And, and that's the thing with anything and why, right. you know, the health industry as a whole is, is huge. And, and in many departments, whether it's supplements, whether it's infrared saunas, whether it's float spot, whether it's whatever it is, all these therapeutics, they all have their place, you know, and we have to understand when is the right time and place to utilize these things and not just say that this is the holy grail of our healing and go and do it like hardcore. Yeah. Like maybe you need to use a hardcore for a certain period of time, but because it, it perfectly offsets something else that you've been doing hardcore for too long. Like that's, that's yeah. the yin to the yang. But then once you balance that out, you balance it out again, balance. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for bringing it back. I haven't been balance. able, I haven't been able to figure out how to overuse the float tank yet though. Other than if you, if you Very don't, sure. if <laughs> other than if you like avoid your problems just by staying in there too long or something like that. Yeah. No, float, floating is definitely something that like, again, you can, you can use, um, I, it's like sleeping being in there would be like, like living you know? in there for like 24 seven. Like, yeah, no, yeah, that's overuse, but right. you know, going to use it on a daily basis yeah. for an hour. Like, no, that's, that's, that's the best man. Yeah, perfect. Maybe, maybe two or three. Yeah. It's the, it's the greatest, man. Speaking um, of which, you got to come up and float, Mike, ASAP. Yeah, yeah I'm going to schedule that real soon. I promise cool. you. Well, guys, listen, thank you so much. We're going to break this down into two or three little episodes here. And we'll be back next week with, uh, for sure, the second episode on fats itself, on lipids um, and, and oils and yeah. 
getting it Nutri- going. Nutritionally and how it's how it supports us. Beautiful. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, Michael Pellegrino and Gabriel Masudi signing off. Peace, guys. Peace.